Welcome to Walking in Faith with Pastor Rob Currington. This podcast is dedicated to helping develop lifelong seekers of the Kingdom of God. Each week, Pastor Rob helps bring God's message for living to those seeking a richer and more Christ-filled life. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he shares this week's message. Father, you have commanded us to accept suffering with joy. To do so, we need the wisdom that you've so graciously have offered to us as your children. And we thank you for your generosity and your love for us. Jesus, you have promised that if we have faith and do not doubt, we will receive whatever we ask in prayer if we have faith. So we would pray, Father, that you would give us a greater measure of faith and trust. Holy Spirit, you have been sent to be our helper, our comforter, our counselor. And please move among us this morning to heal, to enliven, to convict, and teach us to love and trust with an undivided heart. Forgive us, Lord, when we fail to do so, when we respond with frustration, anger, and doubt. We come before you this morning as a body to confess our sinful, rebellious attitudes and thought processes. Cleanse our hearts and help us to destroy arguments and every lofty opinion that is raised against the knowledge of You. And Father, may we take every thought captive to obey Christ, Your Son. We echo the words of the psalmist who says, creating us a clean heart and restore to us the joy of our salvation. May you be glorified in all that we do this morning. And may we respond to your word with obedient, receptive hearts. We pray this in the name of your precious Son, Jesus, the one who has secured our salvation and serves as our advocate before your holy throne. And all of God's people said, Amen. We've been talking about the book, Heaven is for Real, and talking about whether or not the young man and others who have written such stories about their accounts, and we've talked and we've kind of made the point that those books seem to miss a God who is indescribable and unchangeable, but just speaking of that book and just saying how many of them have fall prostrate, mentioned that, oh, if someone would just write a book about what heaven's really like, oh, wait a second. I guess someone has. Sold at every fine bookstore in the neighborhood. Remaining stable in an unstable world, part two. We started several weeks ago in James chapter one, and we looked at, for the most part, verse 5a. Today we're going to look at the rest of the passage, 5 through 8. And what we came to need to understand is that we have a good, wise, providential king who loves his children and desires for them, you and I, to grow spiritually strong, ready to face and endure all adversary, all suffering, all trials with joy. But to do so is not natural for us, so we need wisdom to understand and also to accept God's perfect plan for our lives, and for His glory. Two weeks ago, I shared that James 
had given three commands in this passage. The first command, as you might recall, was to walk in wisdom. And John MacArthur has said, wisdom simply is the skill to live a life pleasing to God. And in that, we shared two weeks ago what wisdom is, what the source of wisdom is. The only way that you and I could ever endure trials and suffering with joy is to do so with wisdom. You and I may not be able to comprehend and understand all that God may be doing in our life, but still we must confidently trust Him and trust that He knows best. Without wisdom, you and I would perish and our labors would be futile. And yet wisdom also keeps us from sin and destruction, so wisdom is freedom. We found that God is the source of wisdom and that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of that wisdom. And God promises to strengthen us through wisdom and the result of walking in wisdom we found in Scripture is that we find life and receive favor from the Lord. Simply put, we ended two weeks ago, is that wisdom is both right thinking and right doing. Let me say that again. Wisdom is right thinking and right doing. We think about what God's Word says, and we do them. We saw that in Matthew 7. He who hears my words and does them is a wise man. The man who hears my words and does not do them is like a what? A foolish man. Thank you. Wisdom is thinking about life the way the Creator of life thinks about it. It's seeing things as they really are, not how we perceive or view them. And of course, God is always right in His perception of things. When you and I are undergoing trials and suffering, whether they're financial hardships, marital problems, relationship problems, problems at work, or whether it's just health, uh, health and, and different types of trials and struggles through that, you and I do not see clearly. It's difficult to see through the pain and the anxiety and the worry of all that comes through. Thus, we make decisions based on God's reality, the way things truly are. And now that you and I understand what wisdom is, what's its source and the importance of wisdom in our life, we're going to look at the other two commandments found in this passage as we look at 1 James chapter 1, 5-8. through 8. Read with me silently as I read out loud. He says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. But that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is, double he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Father, as I read this verse, I do not want to be that foolish, doubting uh, Thomas. I do not want to be that man that's unstable. I, we live in an unstable world as it is. Our, our feet seems to move. The ground shakes beneath our very feet and trials and sufferings. And all that we go through in this journey of life. And Father, we need your wisdom. So thank you for this word from James. Father, may we receive it with thankful hearts. 
open up our ears to hear the words that you have. May your Holy Spirit have free reign. And Lord, may we respond in obedience and with joy to your commands. Give us the wisdom and the courage to do so this morning. Expose our hearts and our need. Convict us, Lord, if we're not trusting you this morning. If there's any here that doubt, Lord, will you grab a hold of them and become that anchor? Thank you, Lord, for sending your Spirit. And Lord, may we bear fruit bearing with our obedience. We pray this in your name. Amen. So today we're going to look at point two and point three. The second point from this command, the commands that we're going to look at, the first one was to walk in wisdom. Today the second point is we are commanded to ask God for wisdom. We are commanded to ask God for wisdom. We see that as we continue in verse 5. He says, if you lack wisdom, what are you to do? Ask God. Ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Why ask God? For we see in Proverbs chapter 2 that the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright, and he's a shield to those who walk in integrity. We ask the one who has the wisdom. We don't go and ask those who have some type of counterfeit or some type of fake type of wisdom. The world is full of that. You can go to your Barnes or Noble or any other bookstore, Amazon.com and whatnot, and you can go to the New York Times bestseller list, and you can find all the help-to books that you want, and in it, everyone's going to give you their wisdom, but it's not the wisdom of God most likely. For it's God who stores it up and who gives to those that are upright, to those that are his children. So he tells us to come and ask God, and that's simply we call that prayer, do we not? That's prayer. What is prayer? Prayer is simply communication with God. It's speaking of God. And by the way, let me just give you kind of, let me take a rabbit trail real quickly. I'll make sure it's a short one, but I will need your help because sometimes I get on rabbit trails and forget where the real trail is. So if I keep meandering, bring me back. Communication with God. We talk about that all the time. It's having a conversation with God. But in this case, prayer is not a one-sided uh, communication. It's not a one-sided conversation. So many of us, we treat prayer as just God taking down my Christmas list. God, I need this. God, do this. God, show me this. And it's like this one type of communication. We, we wonder, why do we never have our prayer answered? Well, what is it that you need for good communication? First, you, you need a, a transmission, do you not? You need something that's going to broadcast that, as we just think of maybe TV or radio. You need something to broadcast. That's, that's us coming before God and saying, God, I, I need wisdom. But then what else do you need? If you have a transmission, you also need a, a receiver. Yes, you're going to need a receiver. If there's no receiver, you can transmit all you want, but it's not going anywhere. Now, sometimes I think take the reverse. God's the transmitter, and we're the receivers that is not receiving anything because we just don't listen. But even though you transmit and you have a receiver, what else do you need to know to know whether or not you're really getting any communication done? Do you ever talk to your children, to your wife, or let's say, let's say wives to your husband or so on and so forth, and you feel like you're just not getting through, they're not listening, not responding? Well, what is it that radio stations do? How do they know if people are listening? 
Anybody want to make a guess? Contest, yeah. The seventh person who calls receives something. What's that? That's one way that they get feedback. It's getting feedback. Are you hearing? Tell me what you hear. And sometimes with uh, communication, many times I tell people, if you're struggling in communication, first make sure you've got a transmitter and a receiver, and then make sure you're giving feedback. In other words, now what did I tell you to do? And let it have it echoed back, and we need that type of thing. But sometimes what's happening is you may have what when you had the old TV with the rabbit ears. Everybody remember those days? Turn on, and all you get is nothing but static, snow. And that's sometimes so many of us, we're not communicating because of so much static. And so prayer is simply communicating with God, but we need to check and see, do we have all the pieces there? And let me tell you, if there's any problem, it's not on God's end, it's on our end. So we need to make sure that we're communicating properly with God. It's a conversation. And in here he says, if you need wisdom, ask. And we're going to see how he gives in a moment. But it communicates. Prayer is where you and I align ourselves with God and his plan, not vice versa. Take you back to the story. So those of you who are old enough to remember the old rabbit ears that we might have on our TV. And you might have been like us. There might have been times where you had to put tinfoil around the rabbit ears just to make work. And what would you do to try to get past that static? Anyone remember? What did you do? Yeah, you turn the ears and, and you might put it up higher and you might even put it up outside or you might, you're sitting there. You never called the station and say, hey, can you move your satellite or move your antenna? Because it might, no, you were doing everything you could to get it. And so sometimes we're like that person who says, uh, hey, can you move your station? I'm not getting it. No, we need to align ourselves with that which is fixed. And so when you and I ask God for something, this is extra, by the way, this is still that rabbit trail, we need to realize that prayer is aligning ourselves with God. And God says, you need wisdom. So what do we do? We align ourselves with God and we ask for the wisdom that he says he's going to give. Now, I'll come back from my trail. Why prayer? Have you ever asked why is it that God uses prayer? Could he not use some other type of means? Wayne Grubman answers this question of why should we pray when he writes, prayer is not made so that God can find out what you need. Let me tell you, God already knows what you need. This is what Jesus says. Your Father knows what you need even before you ask Him. So prayer must have a deeper meaning and more of a meaning than just God trying to figure it out what you want. God wants us to pray Because praying to Him, aligning ourselves with Him, expresses our trust in God. And it's a means whereby our trust in Him can increase. You see, prayer reminds us of what type of God we have. And that's why He says, ask of me. What type of God do we have? We have a Heavenly Father who loves us and desires the best for us. You say, well, I know that, but it needs to be said. Why? Because in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our trials, many times we lose sight of that. We lose sight of the fact that God loves us and desires the best for us. There are so many pastors and books and self-help teachers and motivational speakers who would try to tell you that God's best is not for you to suffer. 
God's best is not for you to have any trials, but that's hogwash. It's not true. Rough living is part of the Christian experience. He's a Heavenly Father who loves and desires the best for us. For us to pray, it helps us remind us of what type of Father we have. It points us to His very nature. Jesus contrasts the nature of human fathers with that of a Heavenly Father. Matthew chapter 7, 7 7-11, where Jesus speaking to His disciples says, Ask and it will be, seek and you will, knock and it shall, Open for everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, he says, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your father, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So prayer is God's way of reminding us of His very nature. It brings us to a point of dependency and trust on Him. Ralph Martin writes that it's important for you and I to stress the character of God in our prayers and in our minds and in our spirits, especially during times of suffering and trials and hardships. Because the very things that are to draw us closer to God, many times Satan uses it to zap us of our strength and of our thoughts of who God is. He gives us three reasons to encourage us to prayer according to this passage of Scripture. First, we see God is good to all who call on Him. He says, ask and you will receive. It also says that He gives with an open hand without reservation when He says, ask Him, let let Him ask God who gives generously to all. And then the third reason that it encourages us to pray is because His giving, God's giving, is not intended to demean the recipient with feelings that God is reluctant to give for what is good. And you say, what in the world did you just say? Well, He says He gives, God gives generously to all without reproach. What does it mean to give without reproach? That means without insults or denounce or find fault or rebuke or to revile. God desires to give. He says, you have not because you ask not. He'll say that a little bit later in James. But also, he's a God who doesn't find fault with you and says, well, why are you asking for wisdom? What's wrong with you? Why don't you have it? Have you ever had somebody you wanted to go and you asked them something, but you know that's always going to have conditions or they're going to find ways to make you feel bad about asking? God says, that's not him. He says he gives without reproach. Come to me, he says. John Calvin writes that since we see that the Lord does not so require from us above what is our strength, but that he is ready to help us provided we ask. In other words, God knows where we are. He doesn't require us to have all the strength in the world. He knows our weaknesses. He knows where we lack. And He says, ask of me at those times and I will give to you freely. He says, He's ready to help us. Let us therefore learn whatever, whenever He commands anything, to ask of Him the power to perform it. So when he says, count it all joy, my brothers, through sufferings 
and trials. And you and I need to ask God for wisdom so that we could set up and see it the way that God sees it, for we need that. Paul himself prayed for the churches that he was over and that it was over his care, that they may receive wisdom. In Ephesians chapter 1, he writes, I do not cease to give thanks to you in remembering you in my prayers. Why? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. And let me tell you, that would be my prayer for you. I pray that you will know the God who gives generously without reproach, the one who is ready to give you wisdom, to give you the perception, the right thinking, and the right doing, the strength to get through. When He says, my grace is sufficient for you, it covers that very instance that you may be going through today. We not may be able to understand all things, for many of us, we want the exact knowledge. God hasn't promised that, but He's promised to give us the strength to get through the battle each and every moment. If I was to give a summary of point two, you and I are commanded to ask God for wisdom. And God gives according to His nature. He gives simply without finding fault. He gives with a singleness and intent. And all that you and I need to do is we also need to ask in sincerity and singleness of mind. So let me ask you today, if there's some of you here hearing the Word of God, that you need to ask for wisdom this very morning because you lack it. You're struggling with seeing things the way that God sees them. You're struggling in your faith. You're struggling in some type of suffering, some type of trial. Let me say, stop right here before we go on and ask Him for wisdom. Lord, just give me that wisdom. Let me have that promise. And rejoice as you read His Word and you learn and able to see. Number three, so not only are we commanded to ask God for wisdom, but we're commanded to ask boldly in faith. Look at the first part of chapter 6. He says, but let him ask in faith Without what? Have you ever had your children come to this to you? I used to love this. I know you're going to say no, but can I? Anybody? Have your children? You've, you've done that yourself, maybe? I know what you're going to say, but what kind of asking is that? <laughs> it's almost like begging. We would always say the first thing, no, then. That's it. But why are we approaching that? Because we know what they're going to say. We want them to say something else. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to manipulate them into saying yes by saying, I know what you're going to say. But we do that. I know you're going to say no. I know you're not going to like this. Uh, but, but, but. The Bible tells us that we're commanded to ask without doubting. See, it's a matter of believing in the very nature of God or doubting the nature of God. You see, we need to have a consistency of faith. You see, he's not saying don't doubt at all. Because you and I are going to have times of doubt, are we not? You may be experiencing that today. I've experienced, there's times I've experienced doubts, not of who God is, but maybe the very nature of God and His goodness towards me and His, and his love towards me. We all have had that, that happen. But what he's looking for here is a consistency of faith. Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to Romans, if you would, chapter 4. 
You see, what you and I need is a consistency of faith. And what we're going to look at is a man who did doubt in his life. We saw this last summer when we looked at Genesis. Turn to Romans chapter 4, verse 20 and 21. Speaking of Abraham. Now, you and I saw that Abraham was a man who struggled with doubts. He was a man that was partially at times obedient to God. But yet, look at this testimony of him. Romans chapter 4, look at verse 20. It says, Abraham did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. Obviously speaking about the promise that he would have a son. Or when he considered the barrenness of Saren's womb when she was around 90 years old. No, unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in the faith. It, wasn't, it doesn't say that he was strong in the faith, but that he grew strong in the faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. And that's what God is looking for you and I. Not that we will not struggle with moments and times of doubt, for we know that Abraham did, but what God is looking is for us to grow in our faith, giving glory to God, being fully convinced that God is a good God. And when he has commanded us to ask, then we're commanded to do so, and he is, will respond to that sincerity of heart. So what you and I need to do and need to grow is that consistency of faith. We also see the illustration of Samuel in 1 Chronicles. Earlier, Dustin read that for us. Solomon said to God, You have shown great and steadfast love to David, my father, and you have made me king in his place. O Lord, let your word to David, my father, be now fulfilled, for you have made me king over a people who are numerous as the dust of the earth. What a great prayer he's praying here. In verse 10 of 2 Chronicles 1, he says, Give me now wisdom and knowledge to go out and come in before this people. For who can govern this people of yours, which is so great? What's interesting about this prayer, I don't know if you saw it as he was reading it, but Solomon asked God for wisdom and an understanding heart. Not based on what Solomon has done, not based on what Solomon has accomplished, and not really based on his strong faith, but he prayed it as a young man, Based on God's promise to whom? His father, David. For he goes, for you he made me king. And now let your word to David, my father, be now fulfilled. Please grant me wisdom. That's the type of faith that you and I need to have. Is that type that trust in the promises of God. And let me take a side note. What is faith? Faith is a trust. It's a settled trust and confidence. And you may want to write this down. It's a confident transfer of trust. You see, it's a confident transfer of trust. Remember, in faith, I once trusted myself. I trusted my works. I trusted all that I can do. But now as I turn to Christ, it's saying I'm no longer going to trust this. I'm going to trust in Christ. 
And there was a time where Abraham had to look in the mirror, if they had mirrors, and he said, I cannot trust this body or Sarah's to produce a child. We're too old. She is barren. She hasn't had children. And all these years, I can no longer trust in my physical ability to produce children. I must transfer that trust now in the promise of God. And not to belabor the point, but he actually had to go through the natural biological motions of to have a child. At a time where most couples probably had stopped. Why? Because God says you're going to have a child. And so he transferred his trust from his old body into his old, what he knew to what God had called him to. And that's what you and I do in salvation. We confidently have a transfer of trust in our own works to the works of Christ. It's being satisfied with the promises of God. And let me tell you, if you're here struggling through suffering, struggling with the trials that you have, you need a transfer of trust into the God who knows all things. Doug Moo comments, the doubter though, does not pray to God with consistency and sincerity of purpose. And that's where we see the contrast. He says, ask boldly in faith, do not be a doubter. For as we see in this next verse of 6 through 8, is there's a warning about those who are doubters, those who doubt the goodness of God, those who struggle with confidently transferring their trust to the promise of God. Let's look at verses 6. The second part of verse 6. For he says, For the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. You see, the person who doubts God has no anchor Nothing secure to tie himself and to keep him where he needs to be. The writer of Hebrews highlighted the surety and the faithfulness of God's promise and oath to Abraham, writes, We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. In other words, you and I have a hope. We have an anchor, the promises of God, that if we ask, we will receive when we ask it boldly and when we ask in faith and with sincerity of heart. However, the doubter does not. They're like that person who's crashed at sea. And you can imagine the waves going to and fro and there seems to be no pattern. You just, you're up and you're down. And the only thing that they can hold on to is a piece of driftwood. And they're holding on to it with all of their might. And as they see the storms, they're crying out and bemoaning where they are. But then when they see something firm and fast, maybe it's the boat, maybe it's a life raft or a lifeboat. And all they need to do is reach out and grab it, knowing that that's much secure. They cannot because they're holding on to that driftwood. And for so long, it's been keeping them somewhat out of the waves. And they cannot transfer that trust And so they suffer and they drift apart. And such were many of us, and maybe some as such of you today, do not be that type of person. 
Paul is warning the Corinthians not to accept another gospel. They were tossing and turning in the waves. And he says, do not be like Eve. And I want to share with you that there's some Eves here this morning. Male and female. In which we too are doubting God's word. You see, Eve doubted God's word in that Garden of Eden. You remember all Garden of Eden? You remember Satan comes in to tempt her by cunning. But she doubted the word of God. She was the one that could not put a transfer of trust. She could not believe in the words of God. She doubted the commands of God when he said, The tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. She doubted that, God, that command as Satan would twist God's word. She doubted the very goodness of God when Satan said, God knows that when you eat of the tree, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. It was in that moment that she doubted that God was good. And to her mind, she started to open up and say, well, maybe God is trying to hide something here. Maybe God is jealous of me. Look at my beauty. God doesn't want me to be like him. And she doubted the very goodness of God. And then she doubted the very judgment of God when he said that in that day you will eat of it, you shall surely die. And there are many doubters today of God. And we do so in the same way. The only way for you and I to get through those types of things is to get wisdom. And those who need wisdom to get through suffering and trials of life, we can hold tightly unto the anchor of God's promises that are found in His Word. And that whoever asks boldly will receive it. Would you hold on to that this morning? However, those who instead search for worldly wisdom will be like the foolish man, will be like Eve, and find themselves adrift in a sea of uncertainty. Maybe some of you, that's where you're at. You've been making your own decisions, and you've just been going through whatever you want to go, and you're just floating, and you feel like you have, you lost your sea legs, you just don't know what's going on in your life. Your life is a mess, and your emotional turmoil, and you're in spiritual You've succumbed to Eve. You become a doubter of God. You see, you and I have become like Eve when we also doubt God's word. By doubting the command of God when he says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various trials. We doubt the very goodness of God ourselves. We doubt the nature of God when he says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness, we believe that God is judging us, is punishing us, or God doesn't care, or maybe even entertaining thoughts that God is not in control or there is no God. And you and I fall in the same curse of Eve when we doubt the judgment of God. But in this case, the judgment of God for those who count it all joy, who follow the goodness and follow the commands of God is found in James chapter 1, verse 12, when he said, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. You see, when we're heading up in a, in, a, in, a, in a storm, and we're being tossed to and fro, we can't see but the glimpses of the lighthouse. 
glimpses of the land, glimpses of that which may save us. And that's how so many of you, you know God's word, you see God's word, but yet just you're just up there and you're just taking a breath and then you're sucking in some water and then you're up and you see it and you oh, I'd like to be there and then you're back down and all you could see is the waves crashing among you. You become doubters. God says, let him ask of wisdom and let him ask boldly in faith. Do not doubt God's command. Do not doubt the nature of God. And do not doubt His judgment, His rewards for those who love Him and trust. God commands us not to waver, but to trust Him with our whole hearts. We are to trust Him as a child trusts His Father. And we trust because we love. Moses and Jesus both wrote and said, You should love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Eve did not. The doubter does not love God with all his heart, with all his soul, and with all his might. Why? Because he allows his heart to entertain different thoughts and different emotions than what God has called us to. It allows doubt to come in and divide his heart. The one who doubts does not truly love God with all his heart and soul and his mind and his strength. He's holding something back. He doubts the very goodness of God. The reward of loving God with our whole heart is blessing. David writes in Psalms, Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole hearts. However, the person with the divided heart receives condemnation. As John writes in Revelation 3, he says, Because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, what does he say? I will what? Spit you out of my mouth. I will vomit you out of my mouth. Be not like a doubter. Be one who knows the goodness of God. Someone who has a divided heart, as some of you may be today, gives up easily. They're easily distracted and they're full of fear. Let them not be said of God's children in the midst of these things. Let me summarize this third point. How do you and I get wisdom? It's only through bold faith with a whole heart and sincerity. Again, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the not one who knocks, it will be open. But you knock this morning and say, Father, begin to give me the wisdom that I need in my life. I'm going to ask with every head bowed and every eye closed. I just want to make, take a time of reflection. Maybe it's time for you to ask God boldly in faith. Maybe it's time to take that confident transfer of trust. Maybe you're struggling with doubting. It's time to confess that sin, to repent of it, and to turn and trust in Him. Whatever God's work, would you pray, Lord, help me to respond to what your Spirit is saying this morning. I'd like to share with any of you, if you're struggling with the thing, if you're, if you're going through some of this, I would pray that you would just please give me a note, give me an email, a phone call, 
or on the welcome card, you can put, please give me a call. You can put it in the donation box in the back. But if you're struggling with any of these types of things, a spiritual battle, pray, do not go through it alone. I encourage you to come and let's ask. And together, God will hear. Father, we come before you and we thank you for your goodness. Lord, we thank you for your command that we're to ask of wisdom and your promises is that you'll give it. However, Father, we need to ask with boldness and with a consistent faith. Lord, let our lives be marked with that. Father, do the work that you've preordained in the hearts here. There's different things that you're calling each and every one of us to do. But Lord, may we receive it with gladness and respond in obedience. We pray this in your name. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed this week's Walking in Faith podcast. We encourage you to share this podcast with others in order to help spread God's message to all those in need. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Email us at walkinginfaith at orangevilla.org. You can help us spread this podcast by writing a review at iTunes. And don't forget to visit us online at orangevilla.org. There you will find more information about our ministry, as well as share your thoughts, submit prayer requests, and find out how you can help others to grow in God's love. Until next week, may God bless you in everything you do.